0: To hear you talk, Poirot. You can solve the case without ever leaving your chair.
1: Oh, At last you comprehend. dash. No, no, no. It can be done, provided that I have the facts.
0: By Jove, if I don't take you up on it. Fancy a wager, Poirot? Artisan Ensemble Theater presents Mysterious Journey, Theater for the Mind. And no one has greater faith in the powers of the mind... The Little Grey Cells, then the
1: eccentric Belgian detective created by Agatha Christie, Hercule Poirot. Inspector Japp, you astonish me. Never did I think to witness an Englishman late for tea. Apologies, Poirot. To
0: tell the truth, I got to
1: join with Inspector Miller. The fellow in
0: charge of the Devenheim
1: case. Aha! All is explained. The papers are filled with the disappearance of Davenheim and Salmon's senior partner.
0: It's a dilly, all right. Well-known banker strolls out of his house on Saturday last and vanishes. I'd have said it was impossible to disappear in this day and age.
1: Ah, but to which class of disappearance do you refer?
0: I suppose you classify
1: disappearances by type? Yeah, but of course! There are three categories. First and most common, the voluntary disappearance. Second, the much-abused loss of memory. And the third? Murder. Right. But to be classified as a disappearance, it must be murder, followed by a successful disposal of the body.
0: Look, say you do lose your memory. Someone's bound to recognize you. Uh, Devenheim's a well-known man
1: uh, Even so
0: What's more, bodies don't vanish into thin air Sooner or later they turn up Concealed in a lonely place or Inside a trunk
1: Murder will out
0: Exactly <laughs> As for voluntary disappearance Yes Let's say there's a clerk who's been embezzling from his firm
1: He takes the money and runs
0: All right But if the bloke's in England, his face is in every paper Someone's sure to spot him He'll be caught in no time.
1: And if he attempts to leave the country?
0: These days we've got wireless telegraph. Ports and railway stations are alerted and watched. No, our runaway clerk hasn't got a prayer.
1: Unless? What? Suppose the clerk is that oh-so-rare breed, a man of method. Suppose he is. Voilà! The police are baffled.
0: No, they're not.
1: They are.
0: Not a chance.
1: Au contraire.
0: What about you? Does this man of method get the better of you?
1: Perhaps. Of course I approach the problem with mathematical precision. Of course. But it is possible that even the great Hercule Poirot may be deceived.
0: Never thought I'd hear you admit it.
1: What is Inspector Miller's theory?
0: Miller's not one for theories. He deals in facts.
1: Go la la.
0: Take it from me. Miller won't overlook a footprint, a cigar ash, not even a crumb. The fellow's got eyes that see everything.
1: So does a London sparrow. Be reasonable.
0: Even you can't deny the value of evidence.
1: By no means. Physical evidence is essential. Ha <laughs> ha! In its way. But the real answers come from within. It is the brain.
0: Here we go. The
1: little gray cells where the truth is found.
0: To hear you talk, Poirot, you could solve a case without ever leaving your chair.
1: Certainement. At last you comprehend. Balderdash. No, no, no. It can be done, provided that I have the facts.
0: By Jove, if I don't take you up on it. Fancy a wager, Poirot? What are the terms? Bet you a fiver you can't lay your hand, or rather tell me where to lay my hand, on Devenheim, dead or alive, before the week is up.
1: I accept.
0: Done. Now, the facts. On Saturday last, as was his habit, Devenheim caught the 1240 train from Victoria to Chingsdale, where he resides. The wife and servants agree. His manner was perfectly normal. Not worried. Not tense. Nothing out of the ordinary. Excellent. After tea, Devenheim tells the missus he's off to the village to post some letters. With me so far?
1: But of course.
0: He mentions that he's expecting a Mr. Lowen on business. Should this Lowen chap arrive before he gets back, ask him to wait in the study. The wife agrees. Then Devenheim strolls out his front door, down the drive, out the gate, and is never seen again.
1: Ah, a charming little problem.
0: Glad you think so. Back to Saturday. A quarter of an hour goes by. A tall, dark man with a black mustache rings the front doorbell.
1: The mysterious Monsieur Lowen? Right.
0: Per the master's orders, he is ushered
1: into the study to wait. And how long, I wonder, did he wait? Nearly an
0: hour. Finally, he rings the bell, says he can't stay any longer, as he must catch his train back to town. Mrs. Devenheim apologizes for her husband's absence, and Lowen departs.
1: And when did the wife summon the police?
0: Next day, Sunday morning. Devenheim never returned. Never made it to the post office, nor was he seen in the village. At the station, they swore he'd not boarded a train. His motor car was still in the garage.
1: Could he have hired the car? We thought
0: of that, and a reward was offered for information. By now, a hired driver would certainly
1: have come forward to tell what he knew. How distant is the next train station?
0: Five miles. In Entfield, where, as it happens, there was a race meeting on Saturday.
1: Oh, eh bien. Davenheim walks there and passes unnoticed in the crowd. Possible, I grant you. But since then, his photograph and
0: description have been in every newspaper.
1: And still, no news of him. No replies at all?
0: Heaps of them. All bunk.
1: Intriguing.
0: Maddening, more like. B- but on the next day, Monday... There was news.
1: Devenheim was seen.
0: Not a glimpse. But the safe in his study
1: had been emptied. And you say this occurred Monday? That's just what I don't
0: say. With the uproar over Devenheim's disappearance, the household was in chaos, and no one could say for certain when the burglary took place. The wife witnessed her husband open the safe one evening last week. She's not sure which. All was in order then. Robbery could have happened any time after. But it has to be connected to the disappearance. I
1: agree. Has Monsieur Lowen been arrested?
0: Not yet. But he's being very closely watched.
1: Do you know what was taken from the safe?
0: A considerable amount in bearer bonds and a large sum in notes. But the real value was in jewels. The wife had quite the collection. Devenheim was forever gifting the missus with expensive jewelry. All told, there was a fortune in that safe.
1: Hmm. Have you discovered Lowen's business with Devenheim?
0: That part's a a bit hazy. Lowen claims that Devenheim asked to meet. They were friends? Quite the contrary. Oh? Lowen is a speculator, and more than once in the past, he's managed to put Devenheim's nose out of joint.
1: Pardon? He did what? He...
0: It, it, it means he scored off Devenheim in the market.
1: Ah, there were rivals. Right.
0: Anyway, Lowen claimed the meeting was to discuss some South American shares. Says that's all he was told. Devenheim has interests there? Seems so. The wife mentioned he was in Buenos Aires all last autumn.
1: Husband and wife, they were on uh, good terms? Apparently. The wife is...
0: Uh, go. <laughs> Well, not the sharpest knife in the
1: drawer. What about enemies? Uh, He had rivals,
0: uh, people he'd got the better of, but no sworn enemy likely to make away with the man. And, if they did, where's the body?
1: Where indeed? One of
0: the gardeners claims he saw a man go round the house toward the rose garden. The study has French doors that open to the rose garden, and Devenheim often used them to enter or leave the
1: house. Was the man Davenheim? The gardener can't be certain. The man was a ways off. At what time? He
0: don't know. Only thing he is sure of is that it was before six, because that's when he knocks off. Eyewitnesses.
1: Eyewitnesses. At what time did Davenheim leave the house? According to the wife, about half past five. What lies beyond the rose garden? A lake. Ah, with perhaps a boathouse? Right. They keep a couple of ponds there.
0: If you're thinking that the body is in the lake...
1: Me? I have not yet begun to think. I only inquire.
0: Well, Miller arranged to have the lake dragged tomorrow morning. That's the kind of energetic chap he is.
1: Inspector, you arrived with a newspaper under your arm. Is there perhaps a photograph of the missing man?
0: Front page.
1: Hmm. Longish hair, full mustache and pointed beard. Both turning gray.
0: Now, Poirot, you've got all the facts. Clear as daylight, eh?
1: Au contraire. Most obscure. Ha! Which gives me great hope of solving their mystery. Eh? It is a good sign when a case is obscure. Anytime a thing is clear as daylight, mistrust it. Someone has taken great care to make it so. To my thinking, it's a good thing to see the way ahead, clear. Ah, but I do not see. I, Hercule Poirot, close my eyes and think.
0: By the terms of our wager, you've got one week to do your thinking.
1: Oui. You will alert me to any fresh news that may arise from the labors of the energetic Inspector Miller?
0: C'est moi. (laughs) Part of the bargain. Though I feel like I'm robbing a child.
1: No, no, no. It is a matter of trust in the little grey cells.
0: Time will tell. One week's time, to be precise. Well, I must be off. Uh, Thanks for the tea, Poirot. I'll let you know any further developments.
1: Au revoir, Inspector Japp.
0: There's been an arrest.
1: Good evening, Inspector. This is news.
0: Lowen is in a cell at this minute.
1: The body was discovered?
0: Well, uh, no, Uh, but we found the clothes Devenheim wore that day.
1: They were in the lake? Right. How... And no other clothes were missing from the house? No. uh, The valet is positive. What led you to arrest the unfortunate Monsieur Lowen?
0: Caught him red-handed in a lie. One of the maids was looking out an upstairs window and witnessed Lowen coming towards the study from the Rose Garden about a quarter past six. Yes? You see the significance?
1: Enlighten me.
0: That was ten minutes before Loewen made his farewells and left.
1: Ah, and what does Monsieur Loewen say? First, he
0: denied ever leaving the study. But the maid held fast, so then he pretended to recall that he had stepped out just for a minute to examine a rose.
1: (laughs) A lover of flowers? (laughs) Ha!
0: Pretty weak, I thought. Oh, plus, there's fresh evidence. Oh, excellent. Devenheim always wore a gold ring with a solitaire diamond on the little finger of his right hand. That ring was pawned in London on Saturday night by a petty thief named Billy Kellett. Is it so? Oh, light Billy is well known to the police. Did three months last autumn for lifting an old gentleman's watch.
1: You interest me greatly.
0: It seems Billy tried to pawn the ring at five different places. Succeeded at last, got gloriously drunk on the proceeds, and assaulted a copper.
1: Oh, kill him
0: Billy's <laughs> not known for his brain. <laughs> I went with Miller to question him. He's sober enough now, and mighty scared. After we hinted he could be charged with murder, <laughs> he couldn't talk fast enough.
1: And what was his tale? It
0: seems Billy was at Enfield Races on Saturday, though I expect lifting wallets was his real reason for attending. His luck was out, however and by end of day he was tramping down the road toward Chingside when he sits down in a ditch to rest. A few minutes later, Billy spies a man coming along the road, a proper sooty toff, as he put it. Tall fellow, dark, with a big mustache. Monsieur Lowen. So, the toff looks up and down the road, furtive-like, but he never spots Billy. He takes an object from his pocket and throws it over the hedge.
1: Off he goes towards the train station. And Billy, he is curious.
0: He is. So he pokes around a bit and discovers the ring.
1: A stroke of luck for Billy.
0: <laughs> Except that it landed him in jail. <laughs> anyway, it's only fair to add that Lowen denies this story utterly. Billy Kellett's word isn't worth much. It's just possible that Billy met Devenheim in the lane and robbed and murdered him. But
1: if so, <laughs> where is the, the body? body? No, no. A sneak thief is rarely a killer. Also, Billy has been in prison since Saturday. He would not have read about the case, yet he gives an accurate description of Loewen. Agreed. What strikes me as odd
0: is that Loewen didn't find a cleverer way to dispose of the ring.
1: He may have reasoned that if the ring was found, it would be thought that Davenheim dropped it. But why remove the ring at all? As to that... Miller discovered
0: that on the far side of the lake on Devenheim's property is a little gate. Go through it, and it's a three-minute walk to, what do you think, a lime kiln.
1: Ah, and the heat in the lime kiln burns hot enough?
0: To turn a body to ash. Exactly! But that ring would be unaffected. So, Lowen rid himself of it before boarding his train, and that, as they say, is that.
1: Hmm. Right? One question. What? Did Mr. and Mrs. Davenheim share the same bedroom? How oh, the devil would I know? But you could find out. Well, certainly, if you really want to know. Merci, mon ami. Do not forget, s'il vous plaît. Well, I just
0: stopped in to let you know the news, and, er, uh,
1: well, here. Yeah. Uh, what is this?
0: I jotted down the main points of interest, you know, orderly
1: like. Oh, at last you have become methodical. Scotland
0: Yard is always methodical.
1: Of course. Uh, Let me see. Uh, The case against Lowen. Uh, Point one. Lowen had the opportunity to break into the safe. Point two. He had a grudge against Davenheim. Point three. He lied in his first statement saying he'd not left the study. Point four. If Billy Kellett's story is true, Lowen had the dead man's ring and disposed of it. That covers the main points. Alas, Inspector... Your reasoning is false. How? A point one. How could Lowen know he would have an opportunity to open the safe? He came for a meeting with no reason to think that Davenheim would be absent.
0: Then he seized his opportunity.
1: And the tools? City gentlemen do not carry drills in their pocket. The safe was not pried open with a penknife, n'est-ce pas? Point two. You note that Lowen had a grudge against Davenheim. But you said he had gotten the better of Davenheim. One does not bear a grudge against a man you have bested. Any ill will between these two men would have been on Davenheim's side.
0: He lied to the police about never having left the study.
1: Oui. Point three is correct. He did lie. No doubt he was frightened. After all, the missing man's clothes had just been discovered in the lake. And point four? Also correct. If Billy Kellett speaks the truth... Loen is implicated. Interesting. Still, my friend, you have overlooked the two most important points, which are the key to the whole affair. And they are? One, the passion Mr. Davenheim developed for showering his wife with expensive jewelry, and two, his trip to Buenos Aires last autumn.
0: You're joking!
1: I am most serious. Now, I will not detain you. But I... Kindly do not forget my little inquiry about the Davenheim's bedroom. (laughs) Yes, but... uh... Au revoir, Inspector. Hello?
0: Husband and wife have occupied separate rooms since last winter.
1: Uh Aha. And now it is June. The mystery is solved. What? Inspector, if you have money invested in Davenheim and Salmon, withdraw it too sweet before it is too late. Why? In a few days, perhaps sooner, there will be a colossal smash. How? Au revoir. How did you know? Bonjour, Inspector. Come in. Sit, sit. Coffee? How the blazes could you know that the bank would fail? From you. Me? Oui. After your phone call, it was a certainty. But why? How? Sit, my friend, and all will be revealed. From the start, the burglary of the safe was quite remarkable. Jewels, cash, bearer bonds. How very convenient for the burglar. No, no. Monsieur Davenheim arranged all for... himself. Now, we understand his passion for buying expensive jewels, paid for with embezzled funds, no doubt. Embezzled? certainly no, he then replaces Madame's jewellery with paste replicas while the real jewels, barabonds and cash, are moved to a safe place awaiting a time when the uproar has died down.
0: Devenheim planned his own...
1: Oh, yes. His arrangements complete, he requests an appointment with Monsieur Lowen, who has been unwise enough to cross the great man in the past, but now he will pay. Are you saying... we, oui. Devenheim arranges, how oh, you say, a frame job. It drills a hole in the safe, which he emptied a day or two earlier, leaves orders for his guests to be shown into the study, and strolls out of the house.
0: And goes where? Tell me that. If you know.
1: To his hiding place, of course. Ah, Monsieur Davenheim, you are a wicked man, but your little grey cells are first rate. For
0: the Lord's sake, Poirot,
1: where's he hiding? My friend, you are a man of intelligence. Ask yourself. If I were this wicked man, where would I hide?
0: Well, well, there's them that'd boat straight to London, seeking safety in a crowd.
1: Mm, possible.
0: But not me. I'd have a yacht waiting and set sail for an out-of-the-way corner of the world.
1: Also possible.
0: All right. I know you're dying for me to ask. What would you do?
1: My friend, the best place to hide from the police is... In prison. What? You once remarked that Madame Davenheim is not an intelligent woman. It may be so, but I think if you brought her face to face with Billy Kellett, she would recognize her own husband. He will have shaved his beard and mustache and cropped his hair, but she will know. But,
0: but Billy Kellett is known to the
1: police. Davenheim prepared his alter ego last autumn, when he did not sail to Buenos Aires, but did three months in jail as Lightfinger Billy Kellett. No. We remember he was playing for a fortune as well as his liberty, so he establishes a second identity as a small-time thief. One small problem remains. At the end of his prison term in December, he must become Davenheim again, with a false beard and mustache. But wouldn't his wife... Notice, assuredly, he must keep her at a distance. Thus, when you report to me that ever since his supposed return from Argentina, he and Madame have occupied separate bedrooms, I knew. The gardener who fancied he saw his master going around the side of the house was quite right. After his departure, Davenheim circled back to the boathouse, donned his shabby billy clothing, dropped his Davenheim clothes in the lake, and travelled to London where he made a production of pawning the ring and assaulted a policeman landing safely in jail where no one would ever dream of seeking him. I've got to go. But of course, give my regards to Madame Davenheim.
0: Uh, wait, before I... here, take
1: it. What is this?
0: A five-pound
1: note. Ah, uh, we will use it for a little celebratory dinner after the arrest, no? Sounds a bit of all right.
0: Poirot Makes a Wager was adapted by Margaret Rather from Agatha Christie's short story The Disappearance of Mr. Davenheim. It was produced by Artis Ensemble Theatre with David A. Gingrich as Poirot and Russell Constance as Inspector Chap. While stages around the world remain dark, AET is producing Theatre for the Mind. Learn more about Artis Ensemble Theatre at artisensemble.org. Remember, the word artists is plural. And if you enjoyed this episode, please hit the donate button
1: on the AET homepage.